The Bible is filled with scriptures referring to the heart. We are invited to guard our hearts, not to be deceived by our hearts, and also to follow God with all of our hearts. I am Josh, one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church, and we are on a series called Heartbeat. Hope you enjoy the podcast. You are king. See you in the morning when the sun rises above. Sun rises before us and um, So this morning, this morning we're finishing our four-week sermon series on Heartbeat. Um, <clears throat> I hope this series has been encouraging for you, um, and, and I, I hope it's been a good experience, actually. So we had uh, what Pastor Rob, and I don't know about the wisdom of calling it this, but he was calling it Pastor Swap, okay? And, and so for, uh, for the last two weeks, we had uh, Pastor Rudy Haygood um, from university that came and preached, and I, I really appreciated his preaching. We had Pastor Ken Lamont uh, from Newberry Park that came out and preached, and so I hope this series has been encouraging. And so I kind of want to remind us um, about a few of the words that were shared earlier. So Pastor Rob started this series, and he started this series by talking about a broken heart. And the reality is we all suffer from a broken heart because of sin. Um, And Pastor Rob shared what I really believe is one of the most important verses in all of the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says this, it says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And in the newer NIV version, I think it says, guard, above all else, guard your heart, uh, for everything flows from it. But that passage is such a powerful passage. And for me, that's been a passage that I've loved for, for many years. Matter of fact, that could be the, the theme verse for a lot of different series. You know, I was thinking about, it, you know, right before this series, I don't know if, I'm not going to ask you guys to remember this, okay, but the last series was on relationships, Okay, you're telling me above all else, guard your heart for this wellspring of life couldn't have been the theme verse for a series on relationships. Okay, it's so important for us to be protecting our heart. And and so Pastor Rob was talking about a broken heart. And and, and again, I can't overemphasize how much, how important it is to protect our hearts. So the second week, Pastor Rudy came and he preached and he was sharing with us about an overflowing heart. And so when we are right with God, when our hearts are right with God, but we can't help but have an overflowing heart. When we realize that all that God has done for us, when we realize all that God has done for us, we should have an overflowing heart that is full of joy and full of happiness. But then also, as Pastor Rudy was talking, he was talking about David. And he was kind of sharing it in Psalm 51, how how after David prays in verse 10, created me a pure heart, O God. He then later says, hey, what am I going to do because of this pure heart? And he talks about, hey, then I will go and share with transgressors of their ways. And so he's talking about how as we have an overflowing heart, the idea is that we should be sharing that with others. Our hearts should be overflowing with what God has done, and so we can't help but to go share what God has done with people. So it's not like sharing our faith is not something that should be a chore or a duty or something that's so difficult, but it should be something that naturally overflows from what God is doing. Now, last, last week, Pastor Ken came and he spoke to us about a generous heart. And he started off by talking about how nobody needs to teach us about being greedy. And that's so true. Like being greedy just comes naturally to us. It doesn't matter where you're from, where you're born, whatever. It is something that just comes naturally to all of us. And so he reminded us that, uh, that gratefulness is a doorway to generosity and that generos- generosity 
is a prescription for greed. And so if you remember, he had a little high chair and he was telling us a story about sharing some M&Ms with his daughter and how he poured some M&Ms out on her, on her little tray, and so she was eating them, and she, she loved them, and then he tried to take some, and she covered them up and said, mine, mine. Okay, how foolish was that? Because what she doesn't realize is that her father has the ability to hand out those M&Ms from that big old container. And, and that illustration is, is cute, but it's so powerful for us. Because in our lives, sometimes we're sitting there and we're hovering over things saying, mine, mine, mine. And we have a God in heaven who not only owns an M&M container this big, he owns all the M&M containers in all the Costco's of the world. Okay? <laughs> you know? And God is up there and he wants to do something great and he wants to bless us. And yet we're sitting there like this and we're hoarding whatever we think we have. And God is up there going, you are so foolish. I have so much more that I want to bless you with. And yet we don't get that blessing. Why? Because we're too busy like this. And so Pastor Ken was talking about generosity. And so this week, as we conclude this series, we're going to conclude it by talking about a compassionate heart. And and I know as as I speak to a room of this size, in this room we have people all across the spectrum when it comes to compassion levels. And I'll explain what I mean. So two weeks ago I was down in San Diego uh, visiting my children and, uh, and I was having lunch with them. And uh, somehow the conversation came up that I was preaching today on a compassionate heart. And the two of them, my sons are 22 and 23 right now. And uh, my son, 21 and 22, I got their ages right, 21 and 22. Okay, so anyway, um, I've shared with them how I'm preaching on compassion this morning. And both of my children at the same time started laughing at me. Okay. <laughs> And I will directly quote what they said first. My oldest son, Andrew, looks at me and he says, what do you know about that? Okay? Now, you, don't be sad for me. He, he, you know, he was, it's all good. Okay? So he says, what do you know about that? <clears throat> and then my second son, Tim, says, I hope you learned something. Okay? <laughs> so this is how they respond to me talking about the fact that I'm going to be speaking on compassion. And, and so... Some of you here this morning, you have no compassion for anybody. Hey, and some of you here this morning, you are incredibly passionate or compassionate. Your heart breaks with everybody whose heart is breaking. And I'll be honest with you, my sons are a lot more right about me than I want you all to think. Okay? They know me pretty well. They've been around a while. And I don't want to... um, I don't want to ruin my reputation with any of you all. I'm going to explain to you, because I have had some time to think about this, okay? I've had some time to to think about the compassion levels of my life, and I've come up with a term of how I'm going to define it, and I'll explain it to you all later. I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to explain it to you later, but I'm just going to tell you, even before I tell you what it is, it's not right, okay? This isn't the way that that we should be. Um, and, and honestly, this is something I've actually felt convicted on in the last couple of weeks. And so, so I would describe myself as situationally compassionate. Okay? I am situationally compassionate. And again, I'll explain to you all later what I mean by that. Uh, but if any of you are sitting here this morning and you found, you're sitting there going, that is me. I, I don't even need to explain it. That's me already. I'm just here to tell you that that is not the way God wants you and I to be. God wants better from us. He wants better from all of us. And so uh, in the next 25 or 30 minutes or so, what I want us to do is I want us to look at what it means to be compassionate. I want to look at what the Bible says about compassion. I want to see what Jesus taught about it. And more importantly, I want to see what Jesus did because of his compassion. 
Um, if you look up compassion <clears throat> or compassionate in a dictionary, it'll say sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. And, and so words that are similar to compassion are pity, sympathy, empathy, understanding, care, and concern. Um, another definition that I, I read, and I really prefer this definition of it, says to recognize the suffering of others, then to take action to help. I like that because I really believe compassion that's real. You're going to see someone suffering. You're going to see their need. You're going to see it. You're going to feel bad. But then you're going to say, hey, what can I do? How can I help? Okay? And in every situation, there isn't, sometimes there isn't anything you can do. Okay? But hopefully for us as Christians, and actually just as human beings, okay, that that would be how we would respond to situations. My heart goes out to them. Is there anything I can do? And again, you and I, we can't fix every situation. Okay? Um, Rick falling over, people praying for him, him getting up. That's amazing. That's great. That isn't going to happen every time. Sometimes things happen to people and they're down. Okay? And it doesn't mean that you have less faith or that God doesn't love you. But you know, not every situation is healed. Not every situation is taken away. And yet it doesn't change the fact that, that we are to be compassionate and that God loves us. Um, I think that's why in Galatians chapter 6, now this morning I got to warn you, I got a lot of passages to get through. Okay? And, and so um, if you're not, you know, super quick with your Bible, that's cool. That's great. Just write these verses down if you don't get there and look them up later. Make sure I'm telling you the truth. Okay? Make sure I'm not making something up. Um, but in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says this, says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul says that, and he's saying, carry each other's burdens. And so this morning, I want to ask each of us to honestly evaluate ourselves and say this, am I a compassionate person? Okay? Don't ask if I am. You, yourself. Are you a compassionate person. Don't worry about the person that's sitting next to you on your left or your right. Don't worry about whether they are, aren't, or aren't, and, or who you wish might hear a sermon on being more compassionate. Okay? I want you to think about yourself for a second and say, honestly, am I a compassionate person? Just who I am right now, am I a compassionate person? You know, because the Bible talks a lot about compassion, it talks about God's compassion for others. In, in Psalm 86, verse 15, says, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. In Psalm 116, verse 5, it says, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. So the Bible repeatedly talks about God being compassionate. But a verse I want all of, all of us to look at, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So that's in the New Testament after the Gospels, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians. 2nd Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4 say this. says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Okay, I don't know if you're paying attention to what that verse says. It's saying this. Listen, God comforts us. God comforts us in our times of struggle, in our times of need. 
But then what that allows is that after God has comforted us, that allows us to go and comfort others. Like that is what God wants for us. That is what God expects out of us. He doesn't just want us to come in, accept his comfort and keep it to ourselves. Like sometimes we go through difficult situations and God comforts us and God comes alongside us and he helps us. And what he wants from us after we deal with those situations is to go out there and to come along other pe- alongside other people that are going through difficult situations. Sometimes the struggles that we face, man, I wouldn't, you know, some of those things you wouldn't wish it on anybody. But after you've gone through them and you are stronger and God has comforted you, you have an ability to comfort someone who's going through that situation that no one else would even be able to relate to. Does that make sense? Like, like sometimes we go through stuff that is bad and we go through it and all of a sudden you are now able to sympathize, to empathize with someone who's going through a similar situation. And that's what God wants for us. That isn't just what God wants for one or two of us. That's what God wants for all of us. He gives us comfort so that we can comfort others. That's really important for us to remember this morning. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We're to be wearing God's compassion on us. That's something that's supposed to be surrounding us and on us all the time. And Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32, says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So those are the things we're supposed to get rid of. But then we're supposed to be, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And then again, the verse that I mentioned earlier, Galatians 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So the Bible, hopefully we can all agree at this point that number one, God is compassionate. And number two, God expects us to be compassionate. But as we look at the Gospels, we read over and over and over again about Jesus being compassionate. You read it many, many, many times where Jesus sees people and it talks about his compassion. And Jesus tells stories that are ultimately about compassion. And so I I don't want us to to go over these um, too finely. Okay, but in Luke chapter 10 and in Luke chapter 15, there are two stories that are very, very popular. And to me, as I think about these stories, they're stories of compassion. Number one is the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And number two is the parable of the prodigal son. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 10. And we're not going to read this whole section, but we're going to read a certain part of it in just a minute. But in Luke chapter 10, um, Jesus is telling this story in response to someone who was testing him. Like we know it because Luke 10, 25 says that. That this guy is trying to test Jesus. It's amazing to me how many times we read in the Gospels that people come to Jesus and trying to test him with their questions, test him with their statements. And I also find it amazing in the Gospels where it talks about Jesus knowing what they were thinking. Like, wouldn't that scare the death out of you? Okay, like if you're having a conversation with Jesus and Jesus is answering a question that you didn't say out loud, he's answering a question that you had in your head, that would terrify me. That might make me change my mind about who Jesus was. But this guy is arrogantly trying to test and trick Jesus. And Jesus tells him this story in Luke chapter 10. Go to verse 30. says in reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, 
when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? You know, when Jesus is being tested by people and he's telling stories, man, he is hitting them with zingers. Okay, like he's hitting them right between the eyes with these stories. Because Jesus is telling the story. Dude's going down, he gets beat up. Three people come by him. The first one that comes by him is a priest. Priest comes by, does nothing for him. Should a priest do something for him? Okay, he's a respected religious leader in the community. You would think that a priest would do something for him. And if he wasn't able to do something himself, you would think that he could find somebody that could do something. But in Jesus' story, the guy walks right on by. Second guy, it says in there that that is a Levite, okay? And so if you're doing the read through the Bible in a year booklet that we gave out, it's interesting. This week we have to be reading through uh, some passages and numbers that are explaining what the Levites did. The Levites were the ones who took care of the tabernacle. And so the different families in the, in the fam of Levi had different responsibilities, whether it was to carry the curtains or the timber or whatever. They were the ones that oversaw and took care of the tabernacle for Aaron. Okay? And so you would expect this person to maybe be somebody that would do something, and he walks right past him. And then in Jesus' story, like, like the worst thing Jesus could say is he's saying, listen, this Samaritan comes by. This Samaritan would be somebody that, that, know, that people in Jesus' audience didn't have a lot of respect for. And they didn't expect a lot out of. And it tells us that he, he sees him, he helps him, he bandages his wounds, he takes him to a place of rest. He not only takes care of him like that, but he pays for it all. Okay? What's Jesus saying? Jesus is hitting them right between the eye. He's trying to make a point to them, and he's trying to make a point to us. Because this story is a story of compassion. This guy, this Samaritan, was the only one that had compassion on that poor person. Okay. The second story I, I want to mention, actually, before we get there, this is so important because there's all kinds of things maybe we like to do, we want to do, all kinds of great things for God that we would want to do. But you know what? If we don't have compassion, we, we can't do any of them. Or if we don't have compassion, they're not going to succeed. If we don't have love and compassion for people, it's all a colossal waste of time. Okay? That's why I think Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which everybody knows is a love chapter. It's always read at weddings and all this stuff. It's, it's precious. Okay? okay? I'm not telling you don't read it at weddings, but I'm just saying there's more to it. In verses 1 through 3, this is what Paul says. So I speak, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. What Jesus is saying and what Paul is saying to us is, you know what, for any of the things that we do to matter... Love and compassion have to be there. We could have all kinds of great programs at the church. We could fill our sanctuary up every Sunday morning. But if we leave here and we don't live as people that are loving God and loving others, if we're not living lives of compassion, it's all pointless. Okay? It's all pointless. It's not going to do anything meaningful in this world. So the second story is the story of the prodigal son. 
Okay, I don't know how many of you are familiar with that story, but in the story of the prodigal son, this guy has two sons. And his younger of the two sons comes and says, hey, dad, let me, I want to go do my own thing. So he asked for his inheritance. And I told first services, if my two children came to me right now and asked me for their inheritance, I'd say, I got nothing for you. Okay, I got a few bills I can give you on your way out the door. All right. But uh, the younger son asked for his inheritance, and it tells us that he goes off and he wasted on wild living. Okay, I don't know what Jesus had in his mind when he said that he wasted on wild living, but you can imagine. And in the story, it tells us that he ends up destitute and feeding pigs to survive. Now, for many of you, this story where the guy ends up feeding pigs, it doesn't hit you at all. Okay, because we all love bacon. Okay? <laughs> Probably 99% of us in this room love bacon, except for Dr. Alan Sherman. He's against bacon. Okay? Okay, but the rest of us, we love bacon. Okay? But this guy, this would have been an affront on his Jewish faith. Okay? The story, the idea that this kid, as he's destitute, ends up feeding these pigs. <clears throat> and so he comes to his senses eventually. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 20, Jesus says this. Says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Jesus tells us that when the father sees the boy, he doesn't wait for his son to come home and grovel. He doesn't wait for his son to come home and repent and say how sorry he is for all that he does. Okay, when the father sees him, he runs. He runs to his son. You know, earlier I mentioned, and I'll explain it a little bit better now. Earlier I mentioned my conversation with my two children. Um, you see, in my family, we have quite the spectrum of compassion, okay? If you know my wife, you know that my wife is one of the most compassionate people on this planet, okay? She is incredibly sympathetic and caring, and, and like, she, she's just great at it, okay? Um, I can't live up to that, okay? She is so good at that. She's incredibly compassionate. And as much as you might think that I'm the one on the other end of that spectrum, I'm not even close, Okay, because my son, Andrew, my oldest son, he is, I pray that he actually doesn't listen to the sermon. Um, he's the least compassionate person I know. Okay, like he has no compassion for anybody. You know, I was explaining to first service, if, like, like it's great in sports when you lack compassion. You know, like that's, that's how you end up winning things. Um, my, my son would have stepped on his grandmother in order to win a ball in a soccer game. Okay, but, but in life... But that's not necessarily the way we should be. And the truth is, he is um, he's not a very compassionate person. Like, he's a great guy, okay? He's got many, many wonderful traits. But if my wife is on one end, he's on the other. Okay, then my son, Tim. Tim, honestly, is, is just like my wife, okay? He, he's got a huge heart, and he really loves people and cares for people, and that's wonderful. Um, and then you have me. And I kind of explained it earlier, Okay? And for any of you that identify, I'm what I call situationally compassionate. What that means is this. Like if, if I see someone that's going through a hard time, going through difficulty, and it isn't their fault, it isn't because of something that they did, I care. And I'm incredibly compassionate. And I would do whatever I could to help them. Now the other side is this. I struggle with compassion when I see someone going through a hard time that is their own fault. And they're going through a situation that's difficult because of something of their own creation. Okay? That's where I struggle with compassion. And just so that I'm like honest about it, the truth is, you know what? I don't expect anybody to be compassionate towards me 
when I'm going through something that is my own fault, for, me, for my own bad choices, okay? Now, here's the biggest problem with all of us in this room who think like that this morning. If you're like me, it's not right. That certainly is not the way God is. And that certainly is not the way God wants his people to be. You know, one of the interesting things is when you go to preach a sermon and you're talking about compassion and you're thinking about it, you're like, wow, that is not, like, I'm a logical person. And so the way I logically think about it, like, yeah, not your fault, compassion. Your own stupid fault, no compassion. Like, that makes sense logically, but that isn't the way God is. And that isn't the way that we should be as God's people. Because as I was thinking about this the last couple weeks, and it really just was hitting me between the eyes, is the truth is, that isn't the way God works. That isn't the way the gospel is. You know, this story of the prodigal son, it's a picture, to me, of God and his relationship with us as human beings. And God isn't waiting for us to get our act together before he comes running and hugging us. Okay? The gospel, the gospel message in Romans chapter 5, it doesn't say, hey, you know what? Everybody got their act together, and then Jesus Christ came and died for their sins, and he loved them. Romans 5 tells us that Jesus came, died for us while we were still sinners, and that he loved us so much even before we chose to step towards him. And so that's the kind of compassionate people that we ought to be. <clears throat> so I apologize to all of you in the room that thought it was okay to be like me, okay, because we are not supposed to be situationally compassionate. That is not what God wants us to be. And even more important than what Jesus taught about compassion is as I look in the Gospels and I see the person Jesus was with compassion. Because as you read through there, there's lots of stories. And, and not a passage from the Gospels, but in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And as you read through the Gospels, Jesus did more than just say kind words and compassionate words. You see that Jesus lived that out, that he lived it in actions and in truth. Repeatedly, we read about his compassion. Um, in Mark chapter 1, in verse 40, it says this. It says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The word compassion isn't in there, but it's in there. When Jesus sees this person in need, when he sees him, he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, be willing. That is Jesus living out his compassion. He's reaching out and he's touching the person and he's healing him. He's living compassionately. In Luke chapter 7, verses 13 through 16, there's a story about a widow whose only son passes away. So now she's lost her husband and she's lost her son. And, and in this story, uh, in the first verse, in verse 13, it says, when the Lord saw her, so when Jesus saw her, it says his heart went out to her, okay? I don't know what made this woman different than probably every other situation Jesus dealt with, but when Jesus saw the suffering of this woman, his heart went out to her and Jesus raised that young man up from the dead, Okay? In Luke 7, verses 13 through 16. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, it says this. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
And then the last verse that I want to mention is this. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34, we have the story of two blind men. And Jesus is leaving Jericho. It says this, it says, as Jesus and the disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. So imagine this story. These guys are blind. Jesus is going by. You know what they can't possibly know? This is the last time Jesus is going by. Jesus is on his way to the cross. Jesus is coming by. This is the last time. They can't possibly know that, but it is. And they're screaming for Jesus. And everyone is telling them to be quiet. And they're screaming all the more for Jesus. And Jesus hears them, and he has compassion on them. You know, if they'd have just shut their mouths and been quiet, like everybody told them to be, they would have died blind men. Okay, but they screamed out. Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. They screamed out for him, and Jesus showed compassion for them and healed them. Now, I don't have the power to heal the sick or to raise the dead. And as far as I know, none of you do as well. But we serve a God who's still in the business of doing the amazing. We serve a God who's still in the business of doing amazing. So I can't promise us, no one can promise you that every situation is going to turn out the way you want it to. But what I do know is that God loves us and he cares for us. And in the midst of our struggles and in the midst of our difficulties, God is right there with us. God is right beside us. So I can't promise you he's going to fix it all. Can't promise you he's going to always make it all better. I wish Jesus would, would just come down and fix everything. Okay. But I can't promise you that, but I can promise you that God is always going to be there, right there with us. And so my challenge for us this morning, and my challenge for us is quite simple. My challenge for, for me and my challenge for you is this. Open your eyes. Open your eyes to see what is going on in the, in the lives of the people around you. See the people that need compassion. See the people that need to be comforted. If you remember, 2 Corinthians 1 we were comforted so that we could comfort others. So my challenge to you is to open your eyes to see the people that need that comfort and then come alongside them and do that. Okay, don't just see it and feel bad for them, but to actually open your eyes and then do something about it and allow God to take care of the rest. Uh, imagine what would happen in, in our homes and in our schools and in our, in our places of employment if, if we all as Christians, if, if all the Christians of the world actually lived compassionately to get the way God wants us to. Like if that's what the world knew us for, as being compassionate like God is to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Uh, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have in him. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness that we find in him. And Lord, I pray specifically just for us. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds Help us to see where it is that you want to change us and to encourage us to be more compassionate. Lord, I pray that we would be a compassionate church that's known for loving people. We thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or join us live at any of our weekend worship experiences. Have a great day. My rebellions that you've always shown